hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Ma'am, can you come out of the sound room and grab Gus a beer, please? Thank you. Thank you to our assistant. (laughs) Was that a middle finger or a thumbs up? I I didn't see. (laughs) Was that a middle or a thumb? It was a thumb. All right. (laughs) So welcome to episode six. Welcome, welcome. Of the Whiskey and Whitetail podcast. Who is this episode powered by today? So this episode is powered by George from SAO Outdoors. He sent us Rough Riders, and uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Tell me about it. Um, I was just recording that and sent it to him so he knows we're doing it. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, uh, Rough Rider is located on the North Fork of Long Island. So, this is a New York straight bourbon whiskey. This is a first bourbon distilled by Long Island Spirits, which was Long Island's first distillery. Um, anyway, it's uh, 60% corn, 35% rye, 5% barley, aged in new charred American oak barrels. Um, it looks like some of these they do with a second aging in Merlot and Chardonnay cast. I'm not sure what this particular sample is Mm -hmm. but yeah he said it was good and we talked about it during uh, one of our live streams so we'll give it a smell taste doggy that's the sound of me nosing a whiskey that's how it's done Kentucky Jew Uh, yum yes interesting bourbon What's the proof on that? I don't know. It's up there. Yeah. Fairly certain. It does taste as though it's up there. It's not bad. It's very interesting. It's unlike anything we sent him. Definitely its own unique flavor. For sure. What was it called again? Rough Rider. Rough Rider. Not the condoms, but the bourbon. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't mind it. 
I would like to try one. I don't think this is Chard- Chardonnay cask. I would like to try a Chardonnay or Merlot cask of it. Yeah. Get a little. I think it needs a, a little bit of that sweetness um, on the back end. Yeah, it's got uh, in- an interesting finish. It sticks around for a little while. It has but pretty, it's not bad. It's not like a, you know, like a scotch or something that's. It has pretty decent legs. Just a swirl and look at it. See it? Yeah, not bad. Runs well. It runs well. It runs well on its legs. Yes. Is that why they call it that? How does it run? Yeah. On its legs? I guess. Mm. Maybe you just reinvented the wheel. Maybe I did. This week, we're talking about... Health. Health. Because we're doctors. We both went and got into our doctorates in health. And um, no, I actually wrote a disclaimer that I'm going to read. Not a doctor. This is what we found (laughs) on research alone. Not a doctor. Not giving health advice. Just sharing what we found. Because we are not doctors. Not doctors. So with that being said. So to clarify, you're not a doctor. No. I don't think so. You're not either. Same. Yeah. No, okay, not a doctor. Yeah. So specifically, though, what we wanted to talk about this week um, are health benefits of both whiskey and whitetails, correct? Correct. Specifically, drinking whiskey and hunting whitetails, or really hunting in general. Yes. Wild game meat, um, health benefits. And and we're not talking just at a molecular level, but also mental, physical. Correct. Um, especially like... You know, for instance, if you're an elk hunter and you got to climb these mountains, you got to be in pretty good shape. So there's some health benefits to hunting elk before you even eat it. Hey, you're stepping all over my toes, man. Oh, my bad. My bad. Well, you want to go first since it's whiskey and whitetail? Yeah, you cover whiskey stuff first. Okay. So before I say this first sentence, I want to let everyone know what apothecary is because I think a lot of people know the word, but don't necessarily. Do you know what apothecary is? Yeah, I do. It's not the store from Schitt's Creek. No, but I but I understand what the term is because I looked it up because of that show. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, so an apothecary is a person who prepared and sold medicines. That, that's kind of it. Right. Um, so in the 16th century in Scotland, apothecaries sold whiskey as a tonic to slow aging, cure congestion, and relieve joint pain. Right. During the American Prohibition, doctors prescribed whiskey to treat pneumonia, high blood pressure, and tuberculosis. Um. With that being said, I'd like to give two more pieces of advice from the same time periods about health. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, during the 16th century, how would you tell if a person was sick or a person will die? So if you're sick, if, if you're going to get better, if you're going to die. So this was actually in France. So you take the tick from a black dog in the left hand and you go into a sick room. And if, when the sick man sees you, he turns himself towards you, he's a goner. So if you're holding a tick from a black dog in your left hand and a sick man turns and looks at you when you walk into the room, that dude ain't going to make it. The sick man or the tick turns? The, the, when uh, the sick man sees you, he turns himself towards you. He's a goner. Interesting. Okay. All right. So alternative techniques immediately follow. One of them requires wiping the sick person with a lump of lard throwing it to a dog in an unfamiliar neighborhood or an unfamiliar dog. If the dog (laughs) eats the lard, that patient will live. Wow. (laughs) Okay. So So using dogs to smell or sense disease. Sure. I mean, obviously it's dog shit. It's not real. It's these are terrible. I'm hundred percent 
relying yeah, I mean, on this going forward. So the 16th century cure for uh, aging and congestion and joint pain with whiskey, th- this is also the same advice that they were giving. Um, and then the next one is snake oil. Um, people always hear about like snake oil salesmen. Yeah, yeah. So snake oil, that's where the snake oil salesman, oh, I just said that. So influx of Chinese workers, they brought with them oil extracted from Chinese water snakes. This oil was rich in huh. omega-3 acids, which was used to reduce arthritis. And so they called it worker's knee, and they would rub snake oil on your worker's knee, and it would help it. Interesting. But then people started selling fake snake oil, which didn't stop people from buying it because the label said it was snake oil. So that's where the term snake oil salesman came from. It's, it's, oh. They're selling you uh, not good stuff. But anyway... Huh. So, we all know that high amounts of alcohol can lead to serious health issues. Sure. But does that mean that you shouldn't drink it at all? Um, one thing that I want to immediately address about whiskey is a simple fact that it is really low in calories. Well, bourbon specifically, because there's no additives or added sugar. Right. There's no carbohydrates. There's no sugar. Um, whiskey's also been linked to curbing an appetite if used in low quantities. So, having a whiskey instead of a bag of potato chips... Um, obviously it's a healthier decision to have a glass of whiskey than a bag of potato chips. So True. that's where a lot of these statements are coming from, but that also goes back to lying with statistics. <laughs> so correlations, did we talk about correlations on the last podcast? No, we didn't. So there's a website that you can go and look at correlations and a correlation doesn't necessarily mean that the two things are related. Right. Correlation does not equal causation. Exactly. Um, and one of the, one of the cool thing, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, so I won't even go down the road. But anyway, um, we're gonna start with cancer. So whiskey contains, I don't know how to say it, elagic or elogic acid, which is an antioxidant that's found in berries. And there are many studies that show that it can kill cancer cells and reduce tumor growth, hmm. which makes sense because I've been told over and over again that elagic acid can reduce inflammation. Um, so tumors are basically inflamed. I don't know what they were before they were tumors. Balls of tumor. <laughs> but um, inflammation, uh, reduce, reduction in inflammation can also lower your risk for obesity. Okay. Uh, so heart health, whiskey is very high in polyphenols, mm-hmm. which is a plant-based and antioxidant linked with lowering your risk of heart disease. However, that meteor podcast that we just listened to... Um, he specifically talked about using polyphenols, which is vegetable oil, right. to reduce LDL cholesterol and increase HDL. Um, but the article went on to talking about bad cholesterol and LDL and clogging your arteries with plaque and all the stuff. So I wrote all that before listening to the um, Meteor podcast, which, you know, again, we talked about it. That's just one guy's opinion. Sure. But it does have some validity in my mind. But anyway, yeah, it can, um, these polyphenols will lower. LDL cholesterol. So cold symptoms was my next section. Okay. Uh, Whiskey can temporarily widen your blood vessels. So in small amounts, this can help clear up mucus congestion in your sinuses and your chest, which allows your body to focus on the actual infection, which is why it's been used for hundreds of years as a cure for the common cold, which is a coronavirus, the flu, Mm -hmm. and other types of common viruses. Okay. Um, a glass of whiskey has more antioxidants in it than a glass of OJ and none of the sugar, which is definitely a benefit in kicking your cold fighting things into gear, having that much antioxidants. So when people say, oh, drink a glass of orange juice if you're not feeling well, well. I'm going to start just having a glass of whiskey. Same. Same. With breakfast. So brain health. 
We should. We should no, go ahead. Bob, just, I just immediately started thinking about what what cereals that my kids eat that are in the pantry would pair well with certain whiskeys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And these Fruit Loops pair well, very well with this uh, Akintoshin. Yeah. Well, we just watched the uh, Winston Churchill breakfast. <laughs> oh, that's right. Which yeah. was a glass of scotch and a bourbon and sausage and eggs and toast. So No maybe. bourbon, just, just scotch. Yeah, what did I say? You said a glass of scotch and bourbon. Oh, I meant scotch. Yeah, he's, he's a he was a Brit. He didn't. Drink yeah, I bourbon. meant scotch. But yeah, scotch uh, cigar every morning. Wake every morning. up, have your yeah, eggs I was and reading, sausage. I was reading. He had the whole thing every morning in bed. Yeah, and would finish it up with the cigar and scotch, wrapping all that up by nine as he was getting out of bed to start his day. That's wild. Could you imagine starting your day with a glass of scotch? I'm gonna try it out. Yeah, I think we should. I think that's a good experiment. Um. So my next thing was uh, brain health. So there's okay. research that shows small amounts of whiskey, especially age varieties like Pappy, that increase our brain's GABA neurotransmitter, which is responsible for things like nervous system function and memory. But this article was based on drinking every day, but it was having Ooh. a drink every day, oh. not six drinks <laughs> every day. Um, so outside of the real medical things I, I did the feel good factor yeah and this one like there's no denying this one this isn't even medical advice this is just me talking it's just a fact that having a drink after a long stressful day is a great way to relax um yeah you could argue that going to bed stressed out and going to bed relaxed after a dram would lead to better sleep and we all know how important sleep is sure so that i think that's probably one of the top call top uh reasons for me for this my section of the whiskey of benefits of health is being able to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think we would be irresponsible not to mention that too much alcohol has been proven. This is my next paragraph. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> but the other part of the feel good factor was going out and socializing with people. Um, most people drink some type of alcohol. So going out with somebody and having a drink is, um, that's one of the things that in, real job life um, mm -hmm. this class that i'm in that we were just, just that i'm doing they were talking about the connection that you can build with coworkers by going out and having a drink after work yeah and um i would argue because we've said this before on the podcast that i think that the real person that's inside of us is hiding and it, and i think that it's two or three drinks in is when you start to be who mm. you actually are so people that you work with you may not like them at work you go out and have a couple of drinks with them and now you can create these lifetime bonds basically um but that's the i think it's that's an important true. factor for health that's a mental health thing. sure so um like this podcast for instance our content the cool new gadgets like things that we sell that you can experiment with collecting bourbon and hoarding it it gives you it gives you like you know i enjoy taking pictures of it and making videos of it and yeah you know, it gives me a great amount of enjoyment you know not even drinking it just having it rearranging my whiskey shelves and you know playing around in the bar, stuff yeah. like that. So now onto the, the problems. So pretty much all of the benefits that I just said about whiskey, they go away with heavy use. So this is typically no one listens. I don't think maybe like <laughs> a handful of people that we know that drink whiskey fall into the category of health benefits. Right. I know I for sure don't fall into that category. <laughs> go. Um, and one thing I've been lying to myself is like I try not to drink during the week but I'll drink on the weekends. Well, having, you know, 10 drinks over Friday, 
Saturday, that's basically like having still 10 drinks in a week, which is still more than you're supposed to have. Right. Yeah. Um, so doing it all in one time. Do they, do they say what they classify as a drink? It was a two ounce pour for whiskey. So it's two ounces. Yeah. Okay. Wow. A two ounce pour per day is the recommended amount. What? How much is it for? Do, do you know by chance how much it is for other, other alcohols like wine or beer? I think I don't know for wine. I know the beer one was two uh, pints. Okay, so like okay. two pints of beer, one two ounce pour of whiskey. Interesting. I don't remember what the wine was. I did see it though. <laughs> but. Over time, increased consumption can increase your risk of all types of things, all kinds of chronic diseases. Um, all the benefits from it were recorded from low to moderate amounts. So moderate was a tricky thing, too. I couldn't find a, this is moderate. It was like, I know I'm not a low drinker. I might be a moderate drinker. Yeah, I couldn't find the number for moderate. So we can make that up. Like heavy drinking, what would you think heavy drinking? Like if we were to pull it. What would you think was heavy drinking? Heavy drinking? Yeah. I mean, how are we measuring? Are we measuring on uh, vo the volume of, of alcohol? Or... Yeah, I guess so. The amount. Well, I think it's going to be relative to each person. Well, let's right? do, let's do, let's make, we'll, we'll make it even easier. So heavy drinking, how would that affect your life? So like. Yeah. So I think. Living um, under a bridge, is that heavy drinking? Yeah, probably. But I, I think heavy drinking is probably. I mean, if you're waking up with a hangover on a daily basis. Yeah, that's probably heavy. You know, or if you are getting home in the afternoon and like your life can't function at all unless you have a drink. Yeah. But then again, you're also, that's, we're also bleeding over the lines of an alcoholic, which is completely, right, different, right. completely different yeah, thing. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, I think, I think it definitely depends. Uh, like, I, 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 it's hard to say, man. It is. It's a difficult because, question because, like I said, it's relative, right? If for you and I versus uh, a dude that's six five, four hundred pounds, yeah, and plays in the NFL, what he drinks on a nightly basis to get a buzz may completely put us on our ass. Yeah. Uh, so. What's he you know what I mean? Like I just yeah. I, I think you'd probably be better off ranking it in like lifestyle. If your lifestyle changes from your drinking, like if if thing if your life changes because of your next drink or the drink you just had, yeah, I think that might be heavy drinking. So the, that's why it was hard to find the answer for moderate because I feel like I will heavy drink at times, but never enough to affect my life. But I will moderately drink. Um, yeah, I think I'd drink moderate. I think if I if I were to pick a category i'm a moderate moderate drinker yeah but I anyway hate that. i always hate that question at the doctor oh i know you like, have do, to lie do to you the drink doctor. yeah yeah i want the wrong on the weekends i'll have a drink of how often how, how often would you say you drink or how many drinks do you have like i don't know you're talking a, a night or a week like i i feel like i'm being judged and i'm not i don't understand the relevance well, it's like when i was in the army and they're like how 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 much do you drink um like in, a, in one sitting and i'm like well if i'm drinking i'm drinking and I'm 26, and I'm in the United States Army. That's not even a fair question. I'm drinking. So I'm not going to sit down and have, uh, like now these days, I'll have a drink just to taste something. But back then, no. Like if I'm <laughs> like in a sitting, that's not a fair question. In a sitting, a lot, as much as I could, a bottle of, a bottle of Jack Daniels and a six-pack of beer maybe. You know, <laughs> like I'm drinking. But um, <laughs> that doesn't mean I drink like that all the time. But right, they're like, yeah. oh, you're a high risk of, you know. 
But into the issues that you can get. So heart problems was one of the huge ones. Oh wow, yeah. Um for for alcohol, basically. Um, but liver damage. And as someone with experience in liver issues, your liver breaks the stuff down and heavy drinking can lead to fatty deposits in your liver and scarring. Um, and so when people talk about taking pills and drinking, like you shouldn't do that. And they're like, Oh, cause it could, it could kill you. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, but I'll, I'll do it responsibly. So it's not because you're overdosing. It's not any of that. It's because it's your, your liver's filtering it. So if you have overtaxed your liver with too much whiskey and too much, um, pain medicines. Yeah. You can actually ruin your liver. So it's it would kill you because of your liver, not because of anything else. Like you're damaging your liver. So that's why you should take pain pills and uh and whiskey. And I know that should not. Should not. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people do it, but you should it's not because it could get you overdosed. It's because it's it's really stressful on your liver. Yeah. So over over a period of time doing that regularly really puts your liver through Doing it at all really can mess up your liver. Really? Yeah. Just one time? I mean, maybe, but your liver is regenerative. It'll, it'll build itself back. So if you do it, if you abuse it. Super organ. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So if, so if I do it every now and then, it's like giving it a workout. Yeah. Maybe like a, like a high intensity training day. (laughs) Again, we're not doctors (laughs) at all. (laughs) High intensity training for your liver. So cancer risks. I found this interesting. So liver makes sense, right? But you can also get mouth, throat, esophagus, colon, pancreas, and breast cancer from excess alcohol. Which makes me, it's like, now I'm like, we drink a lot of high-proof bourbon. Yeah, suddenly I'm not interested in <laughs> now, this drink. Now I'm worried about my throat, you know? But, uh, I mean, I'm not really that worried. But, yeah, I never considered mouth, throat, esophagus cancer just from the high-proof of the alcohol which is something you should think about. But high amounts of alcohol can weaken your immune system um, pretty easily. And that was one of the main um, stressing points of like all the articles I read is it can, it can weaken your immune system to where you can get something else and, and that something else could be very what, dangerous. Yeah, yeah. What, what does you in? Yeah. That makes sense. But that was kind of the majority of it. Um I could have made it a lot longer and getting into like words I don't know how to pronounce, but I just, <laughs> I just found that, that I think that would be the route to go. Cause we're not doctors. No. All right. So anything else or do you want to get into? Yeah. Now I want to get into whitetails. The health of whitetail hunting. Let me take a drink of this. Esophagus cancer. Oh, you have a beer? Yeah. That was a good move. Do you want me to have um, the chick that works for us get you a beer? You can laugh. <laughs> I was trying not to laugh and spit out this whiskey all Ma'am, the Ma'am, can you come out of the sound room and grab Gus a beer, please? Thank you. Thank you to our assistant. <laughs> was that a middle finger or a thumbs I, up? I, I didn't see. <laughs> was that a middle or a thumb? It was a thumb. All right. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, listen to my papers rattle here. I, I took uh, the health benefits of, of whitetail hunting, and I tried to... Um, thank you. Uh, thank you. I tried to focus on whitetail hunting, but the truth of the matter is most of these benefits 
cover hunting in general. Yeah. Um, and there's even a few that I put in here that are a little more particular towards uh, more mobile styles of hunting, which mm. whitetail hunting can be, but in a large, a lot of parts of the United States does not. So I wanted to touch specifically on the mental health acts, uh, aspect and the physical uh, with a caveat that on the physical health piece, uh, I'm only briefly going to touch on the dietary and nutritional part benefits uh, enough to get the point across. But th- that part I started to dive into. Uh, and then we listened to that. We both listened to that same podcast, that topic uh, basically the topic of the nutritional benefits of wild game is a podcast. Yeah. It's hours. It's hours. To, I mean, he discuss. talked for three hours about it. Right. Right. And frankly, like I don't feel like I'm really qualified or you're Absolutely qualified nope. to, to really give that information the best way possible. If people are interested in that, we, we can reach out and find a guest to do that. That has that qualification. Uh, I just don't feel like I'm the person for that. So no, me neither. We'll start with the physical health aspect of hunting uh, whitetails, and that is the obvious one, which is exercise. Um, exercise is important, both cardiovascular, um, you know, physical endurance, those kind of things. Um, hunting improves stamina and strength. Uh, it you know, requires physical movement. Um, in a lot of cases, uh, hunters can achieve their daily recommended cardiovascular uh, exercise through through hunting activities um, if you think about if you think not so much about uh, hunting in a stand uh, or um, you know an easy walk to your deer stand but instead think about trucking into public land or the back part of a property especially if you're carrying a climber yeah uh, if you're hunting in the back country and you're carrying a pack around uh, you're easily going to hit your your cardio or your steps for the day, so for to sure. speak. Um, so the, the, the long walks, um, especially through rough terrain, packing and equipment, those kind of things. So exercise is pretty, I think, apparent upfront benefit of, of hunting. Um, another interesting one, uh, sort of on the, the same, uh, the, the, same ballpark, if you will, um, as exercise is, uh, improves balance. So hunting can help improve physical balance. As we get older, um, our balance and our coordination, if we're not cognizant of it and we don't work to actively keep it, um, at a, a healthy level, it will, it will degrade for your, sure. Your ability, it's all those uh, short twitch muscles. That, yeah. That your ability to stand up and sit down and maintain your balance can, can go away. So Especially hunting, you're drinking whiskey. That's <laughs> very true. Uh, so hunting has the added benefit of uh, helping keep those at, at healthy levels through things like climbing tree stands, uh, shooting while standing or shooting offhand, shooting archery equipment, um, and marksmanship, all those things require balance, um, uh, controlled breathing, um, and, and things that by repeat, repetitively doing that, you know, over various hunting seasons help maintain those. Um, and those things can all help benefit you. You hear doctors talk about, um, and physical trainers, physical therapists will discuss, 
uh, a correlation between, I want to say it's heart health or just general health and the ability for someone to stand up and sit down on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, like an, an, an older person being able to just get up and down unassisted from a seated position and a direct correlation to like heart health and longevity. Um, so getting out in, in the woods and climbing uh, a tree stand or um, just improving your balance in general yeah, is a huge benefit. I can see that too. When you think about all the old hunters, we know how good shape they're in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so another one um, from a physical pers- uh, standpoint is um, adrenaline, actually, uh, which I thought was an interesting perspective. So um, for some people, just the mere act of holding a weapon, like kind of get your blood flowing. Yeah, it's, It can be a, an adrenaline boost for some people. And um, when, when your brain... When, when that causes the an increase of adrenaline in your blood flow, um, it triggers, it, uh, it causes your liver um, to break down glycogen. And that, in, that, that glycogen is, ter- is what your body uses for energy um, in, in, in different activities. And you will often find that people who regularly partake in adrenaline inducing or adrenaline causing activities like uh skydiving skydiving (laughs) backcountry hunting sure where you're you're doing a lot of you know when you and i went elk hunting um we had several rushes of adrenaline that had nothing to do with actually shooting anything i damn near fell backwards off of a a short little ledge um you fell Countless times. Yeah, I mean, it was just... But I impaled myself. Right, like, uh, you know, and then the actual adrenaline rushes of thinking that we were on an elk and trying to run across ridges to head them off, like, those things all have benefits to to, to your heart and and your, your, you know, various uh, body functions. And the ability to not have your heart pop when those things happen. Yeah, for for sure, right? So the, the, the daily, just the walking and the cardiovascular exercise maintains a base level so that when you're when your heart does skyrocket right it doesn't blow up right um so that's that's another uh, physical health benefit um uh, so being outside um and while well, i'll get more specifically into the mental health benefits but a lot of those mental health benefits which i'll touch on in a minute actually uh and in addition to the physical relaxation that comes with being in nature helps to uh, lower blood pressure, which is a big issue for a lot of Americans um, is having high blood pressure and heart and cardiovascular issues. So there's a benefit there. Vitamin D being outside, getting plenty of uh, vitamin D is uh, very, very important to help regulate the amount of calcium and phosphate in the body Um, and vitamin D and helping with calcium and phosphate helps um, with maintaining health for bones, teeth, and uh, muscle health. Which, again, as you get older, yeah, those things become more and more important. Don't break your hip. Yeah, and so you know, it's. I started thinking about uh, when I was reading some of this stuff, thinking about some of the the more famous hunters that we know that embark on this kind of hunting on a regular basis. You're um, Jim Shockey and Randy Newberg and these people who were, 
in their 50s and 60s, I think, easily. Some of them may be older, but they are regularly going on these backcountry hunts. And listening to them talk, and they talk about the 20-year-old they brought with them as a pack right. mule or whatever. Dude couldn't keep up. Can't and- keep up. <laughs> it's a different kind of fitness, yeah, but the, the sure. point is that they're partaking in these kinds of um, activities on a yearly basis regularly, and it's helping them stay very healthy. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't think... You know, we were talking about earlier about correlation and not equaling causation, but I, 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 I believe that this is a situation where uh, the correlation is is and causation. Um, I don't think I'm saying it right, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and then let's see what was the last thing um, for physical. Oh, providing nutrient dense wild game meat. I said I would touch on this briefly. I'm not going to go super into detail, but. Um, hunters who eat wild game benefit from essential uh, fats, especially omega-6 and omega-3. Uh, these are critical components of, um, you know, of, of a healthy diet. Uh, the mixture of fats found in wild game, like the omega-3 and omega-6, and the, and the ratio that they're found um, help lower cholesterol and reduce other chronic health um, and diseases. Uh, or, or risk of diseases. Um, also, of course, you have you're putting meat on your plate on your dinner table that you're consuming that is antibiotic and hormone free. Yeah, it's not um, full of steroids and all the junk they no, put it's, in the it's everything nat- in the store. Naturally organic. Yeah, um, and, it's not you know, fully corn fed and yeah, absolutely. And we can have another podcast sometime where we can discuss the whole idea of you know taking responsibility, you know, and, 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 and having blood on your hands in terms of the process of putting meat on your table versus just buying it blindly from a store, not having yeah, there's animals any skin dying. in the game. If you're eating meat, you're killing animals. Right. Things have to die to live. Yeah. Um, you know, and as a hunter, hunters make the conscious decision to be more involved in that process, I think. Um, well, we put the burden on us. Because right. we, we, we know where it's coming from as opposed to the average person doesn't. And, and it's like, like we got some, some, so I went down the rabbit hole to see who that chick was. She was 16 years old, but we got jumped on this week about being animal murderers. And, and you know, you got to go through and block the, it account. wasn't even on our, yeah, it wasn't even on our page. We made it. We made a comment congratulating, yeah. uh, a, a successful, a hunt. successful hunt on a management someone. buck, by the way. And we, or a coos deer, somebody went off on our comment and, you know, it happens more often than you think that people, you know, but it's, if you're a vegan, it's kind of like, okay, or a vegetarian, I, I got you. But if you eat meat and you're yelling at hunters about killing deer, it's yeah. just kind of crazy. That's a whole other podcast too. Oh, I remember that correlation thing that I was going to say. So the correlation was the decrease in piracy, like pirates with wooden ships. Yeah. Caused an increase in global warming. Because before pirates, <laughs> there was there was no global warming, but now there's global warming. So now that there's no pirates, global warming increase. Oh, oh this is an example of how yeah. ridiculous correlations. The correlations can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just because those things are correlated doesn't mean they have anything to do with. So all that stuff Al Gore was doing a long time ago, he should have just been focusing on getting more pirates. Yes. If we had more pirates, there would be less, according to this theory. Whiskey and pirates, pirates and. Tales. Maybe we have another business idea there. Pirates and rum. Yeah, I like rum. 
And piracy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the last, the last thing from a physical health perspective uh, with regard to hunting, um, and it's, it's related to meat, like we were just talking about. And that's, that has uh, to do with the the fact that wild game meats um, are basically they're higher in protein and and more nutrients than most of the the meat that we buy at the store. Um, for this example specifically, um, iron and zinc uh, are two that are are significantly higher in wild game uh, than commercially raised beef. Zinc contributes to a healthy immune system, and iron is crucial for oxygen to successfully travel to organs and tissues. So um, an increase in iron can be especially beneficial to women who are at an elevated risk for iron deficiency. Um, and then other wild game like elk and bison contain more vitamins and minerals like vitamin B12 and phosphorus. So hmm. things like that. And then also like, you know, we were talking about the podcast that we listened to um, where he was discussing all of the added benefits if you're eating nose to tail, where you're taking advantage of a liver, kidneys, right. gallbladder, all these other parts of the animal, um, you can consume an incredible amount of very useful and important vitamins and minerals um, for, from an animal. So, I really like his idea about those pills, by the way. Yeah, I told uh, my wife that... Uh, those may be in my future health regimen. Yeah. I think that I'm going to probably start cooking more organ meat because I don't mind the taste. Of I it. need to try some. I haven't. It's been, not bad. Honestly, I've had heart and heart is gizzard and some other things. I've never had get over the, the like, uh, factor. Yeah. Um, heart is actually very tasty. I've not done liver and I've not done kidneys. So liver tastes like, um, like sea ducks. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I but, can find, I could find ways around that. Yeah. So this guy, he makes pills. So yeah. he takes like heart and liver and intestines and kidneys and things like that and, and puts them into pill form. Um, but if you take enough of it, he then um, he was saying you get a buzz off of it because yeah. your body just is like, whoa, I need this stuff. And, and you start feeling like this yeah. euphoria from it. He also made an interesting point in that if you eat animals nose to tail, that you can, there's nothing that a plant can provides that you cannot get from an animal yes in term with regard to the things our body needs to function and thrive yeah um which i thought was really cool that but, and the toxicity of plants that that was yeah, interesting the whole thing too is very because interesting as well i know that with mushrooms like even mushrooms you're allowed to eat like not the ones that will kill you just like the ones yeah. that you can buy at the store that you still have to cook them because they have trace amounts of toxins in them. And beans, like who knew that most, all, almost all beans raw are toxic. Yes. That's why you have to cook them. That's why you have to, a lot of plant. And one, what he said was, uh, that's the reason that they, uh, oh, what did he say? I can't remember what he said, but he was like, that's the reason that they're prickly and stuff because they don't want you to eat them. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so like, we're, we're forcing ourselves to eat these things. And, and, he, and he said like, that's why I'm, I'm mostly okay with eating fruits because it's the flower. Plants the create fruit. those yeah. to be attractive, to yep. draw. Eat this, not my branches. Right, right, right. But like if you're killing, if you're pulling an entire head of lettuce or kale out of the ground, you're killing the plant. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I, I did not know that most vegetables have toxicity in them. Like they are toxic to, yep. a, to an extent. But then you think about all the things like apple seeds, like that's where, uh, that's how they make arsenic and stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's strange because they, you know, that would make sense in an evolution standpoint that the seed 
would be poisonous because the thing needs to keep being right created, you know? So if yeah. you're eating the thing that helps it reproduce, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fascinating because you think about animals that way, but you know, most people don't think about plants that way. No. But it's, it's kind of the same In terms thing. of having defense mechanisms to yeah, survive. Yeah, to be able to continue to be there. The reason that these plants exist, I mean, think about all the plants that probably don't exist anymore that maybe right. one day did. Um, these, like, these plants, like, for instance, the deer thing about the rut, and, like, people argue when the rut is, and it's, and it's based on when the food is available in the spring. So if, yeah. if, a, if a doe goes into heat in June and gets knocked up in June... Like the baby's gonna be born the dead of the winter when there's no food and the mother can't feed it and then right. and then yeah, baby absolutely. dies. Yep. So it has to they have to mate during this time of the year where the spring is coming and there will be food. Yep. And that's um, why why some states in the south have ruts, second ruts or ruts that yes. are later in the season, later in the year. Yep. Because when those because the food and the availability of food is longer yes. in that part of the country than right. other places. Yeah. Yep. And uh but yeah, the the rut is triggered by um, less daylight. And that's something that this species of white-tailed deer that we have is something that the reason they exist and these other deer don't anymore is because they had the ability to to live. Yeah. Um, and I had never considered that, that plants have the same thing. Huh. That these plants exist because they have the ability to exist. And uh, and yeah, of course, there'd be some kind of defense mechanisms to it that, that would stop you from eating it. Yeah, it's fascinating. It was a good podcast. Yeah. Very long. I'm glad you sent it to me. Yeah, it's... Uh I love the Meat Eater podcast. I, I'm not one to sit on our podcast and talk about someone else's podcast, but it's yeah. just they, they hit so many different interesting perspectives on things. Um, it's a it's also a completely different podcast than ours. It's true. All right, so we covered physical. Now we're going to move into the mental health benefits of hunting um, and really being in nature. So as I was doing this research, uh, it was. A lot of things crossed over. A lot of articles were just like benefits of being out in nature versus hunting. Where does it really, you know? Yeah. There were a few that are very specific to hunting, um, but most of them are just about being out in nature in general. Nature therapy, nature, using nature in, in the natural world around us to help. Well, we're part of an outdoor therapy thing for um, a veteran charity. So and that's so. that's part of what I wanted to talk talk about running you down (laughs) so we'll get to that in a second but the first thing is um, and kind of part of the same thing is uh, improves your social life so hunting being part of the hunting community going out and being part of a hunting club or hunting with other people provides opportunity for bonding uh, for socializing um, and for shared sort of experiences and shared responsibility with regard to if you're managing a certain property or your uh, working towards a common goal, you know, for example, um, if you're if you're operating or hunting uh, ducks in the same area, and you're you're working with other people to achieve a common goal, right. there is something about that as humans when we are working together towards a common thing uh, that's very good for our our mental health uh, and our social the social interaction. Um, I don't I don't have all the fancy psychological and sociological if that's even a word um (laughs) uh terms to describe all that but basically everything a lot of things i was reading was saying that you know just just the idea of getting out and being a part of a kind of a sub community of the general population uh, and having that in common with other people uh is is 
important for our, our mental health. Um, the next thing was uh, hunting, developing mental strength and concentration. Hunting is, despite what your anti-hunters and other folks would have you believe, uh, is not going out of your house into the woods every time and killing something and coming home. You spend a lot of hours working to improve habitat or put up stands or find and track and identify potential areas to hunt. You spend a lot of time, long, long hours in the tree stand without seeing anything. Yeah, seeing nothing. Long hours in cold weather, in the yeah. rain, uh, uncomfortable positions. Um, a lot of times, content, you know, having to tell yourself to continue pushing forward when everything else tells you, just stop. It's easy to give up. Yeah. Um, it, it helps develop and improve your mental strength. And those things directly translate, in my opinion, to other parts of life. You know, when you spend a week in crappy weather um, or spend a week sitting all day sits during the rut uh, or three or four days hiking in the back country, chasing after elk freezing to death for nine days in Colorado. <laughs> Suddenly when you have that experience and you come back to your regular job or right, you know, back to society, suddenly that traffic isn't just, isn't a big deal. Suddenly that thing that would have set you off a week ago, just, it just, it's just not that big of a deal because you, you're regularly giving yourself um, some perspective, I think. Yeah, somebody it, forgot to refill the coffee pot, and instead of you freaking out, it's like, I'm used to putting in work. It's no big deal to walk and refill the water and, right. and make a new pot of coffee. Yeah, just simple. I, yeah, I agree with that. As long as you know how to use a percolator. <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> um, so, yeah, developing mental strength and concentration, right? Like, you have to, um, you know... Hunting requires us to oftentimes make quick decisions, rapid decisions. You know, is that animal legal? Is it the right age? Is it a good shot? Is it going to be clean or ethical? Uh, but also solve problems, right? When you're when you're hunting in certain environments, you have to solve problems on the fly, figure things out. So all those things go towards helping um, improve mental health from that perspective. Uh, builds discipline that sort of falls in the same, uh, I guess the, the same arena as, as a mental strength and concentration, but discipline that, that came more from the perspective of it takes discipline to get up early and get to a trailhead yeah. or to get to, uh, where you're going to hike in. Uh, it takes mental or it takes discipline to, not take that shot when you've been sitting for six hours in the rain, cold, and a deer finally comes out, but there's just not quite enough light, and you know it's not a good shot. Yeah, and, and you know to for, let it walk, and to have the discipline yeah. to just say, "Next time, next time," and there, knowing that's, that there may not be a next time. Right, that's not yeah. easy. It's hard. Um, yeah. So it, it definitely builds discipline. Um, provides mental relaxation. So you know. Being out in the woods, it's one of the main reasons I like to hunt is being able to disconnect a little bit. We all, we, you know, 
most of us would be lying if we said we didn't sit in a tree stand and, and flip through our phone sometimes. Um, and unless you're one of these folks that leave your phone in the truck, um, you still have an opportunity to disconnect when you get in the tree stand yeah, um, or, or wherever you're hunting. And the ability to not be around a TV, a radio, uh, other people, other devices. Uh, and, and I find that even when I'm in the woods, even though I have my phone, my desire to be on it, uh, my impulse to pick it up and do something goes, it, it diminishes greatly. Um, Looks like you remember that owl I saw last year? Yeah. There was nothing on my phone that was cooler than an owl being 15 feet from me in a tree. <laughs> like yeah. that was, those are the experiences that you get. I mean, you get to see, I mean, that owl had probably never seen a human, you know? And it flies up and it sits 15 feet from me and just stares at me like, what is this thing? And I'm right. staring at him like, you're so cool. <laughs> you know, and it's, these are experiences that you get in nature that's going to give you these benefits that you're talking about for sure. Yeah, it's um I feel like I feel like the more you allow yourself to disconnect, the more you see. For sure. Like, like the 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 longer I'm not looking at my phone and I'm just observing the natural environment around me, the more I see. The more I observe, the more I start to connect if if you will, yeah. you know, with what's going on around me. And that has that's actually a good segue. Um it it basically says that as we become more attuned with all of our five senses senses to the natural space around us, it actually increases the parasympathetic nervous system um, and heightens our awareness, uh, which leads to a state of relaxation and joy. Um, and these feelings can increase gratitude and selflessness and reduce hostility. So when you walk into the woods and you're feeling like amped up over things and you're just in one of those moods, and you sit in the tree for a few hours or you, you, you walk in an afternoon for a turkey hunt after work and you come back feeling a little bit better. It's not, it's not a coincidence. No, for there's, sure. there's science to, to being out in the woods and helping feel just better about yourself. And it's a natural antidepressant and it, it naturally reduces stress. And these are all things that are proven. And a lot of what, as you were talking about earlier, those are the things that the WLS is kind of in terms of their, the portion of what they do related to um, veteran hunting and nature therapy. That's what it's grounded in. Yeah. And it's a good opportunity to kind of plug that a little bit, but the science is there. And I, I know I haven't specifically cited any, any major studies or anything. And I have a couple of links I'll put in the show notes that, that hit on some of these things. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't say anything. I don't think that's not fairly well known in terms of being in nature. I just don't think people think of hunting in that same light. Like no, they don't. And just because you're carrying a rifle or a bow into the woods to hunt doesn't mean you're you're not still engrossing yourself and um, not engrossing. But well, one thing I'm, I'm I don't know if you did it intentionally, but I'm glad that you did it. I kept thinking you'd be like, you know, when you go on a deer hunt or you go on a turkey hunt or if you're walking around the national forest with your girlfriend, you right. know, I'm glad you didn't say that because, um, yeah, I, that's the point I wanted to make was that people don't realize that hunting isn't, isn't just there. Like a lot of people that aren't into it just think that it's, you know, gunpowder and black fiery smoke and, and just murder, you know, and right. blood. And we're yeah. like, Oh, I killed, you know, and that's not it. It's a lot of it is appreciating nature. Um, most hunters, 
care more about nature than probably non-hunters, if I had to guess. But yeah, being in so, the woods yeah. and having these experiences, yeah, that's one of the reasons that I do. And I'd say I've said more recently than than not, but that I'm probably a fair weather hunter. Like I'm, I don't know how much I care to freeze to death and be soaking wet. You know, I'm still going to do it, but there's something about being in the woods. You know, yeah. I didn't kill a single deer this year and, and just being in the woods. And I, every time I do it, I always feel way better just on the backside. Mm-hmm. And that's really the reason that I do it. I, it, it a hundred percent allows me to, I honestly believe my taking time to go in the woods and hunt, whether successful or not, allows me to be a better husband, a better father, better all around everything I do because I have that opportunity to just kind of disconnect and get away from those things. And maybe you're listening to this and you don't hunt. You just, you're here because you, you like the whiskey part of things we talk about. Um, Whatever your break is, whatever your, however it is you step away from the day to day um, from a mental health perspective is important. Um, But, I think that, as you said, there's a large portion of the population, particularly those that are in the vegan, vegetarian, um, animal rights groups, that feel like um, what we do is just tromping through the woods and shooting stuff. And, you know, I, I would argue that I know as much if not more about the woods and the natural environment and the animals that we pursue, the the quarry that we pursue um, than the vegans and animal rights activists that that do it because I care so much about their conservation and the process that I go through in in the pursuit of them. Absolutely. Um, so that's it. Yeah, that's I mean, we I plant fields and there's a lot of stuff that we do for animals that is not necessarily, it's to keep them around, but it's not necessarily to kill them all, you know, but I feel like a lot of people that don't like hunting or think that it's a vile act or inhumane. I think that there are people that just like to sit behind a, a phone and yell at people. I don't think that they're necessarily... Yeah. I think that's just the bandwagon they jumped on. I don't. I don't know that they're truly yeah and, and activists. I, and and I can tell you, I think that uh, that portion, uh, that collective, is very good at getting people emotionally riled up and getting them on board. I think yeah. as a hunting community, we don't do as good a job of standing up for us and ours, so to speak. Well, I think as hunters, a lot of us just don't give a shit. And that's a problem. Yeah, I think it is because those folks have no problem infiltrating and packing out a, um, a town hall and influencing legislation like they've done in California and New Jersey where they've overturned and completely changed, uh, laws for the pursuit of things like bear and other things. Um, yeah. Simply because we didn't get out. They showed up and made their voices heard and we didn't. Yep. So, yeah, that's um, that's all I had for mental and physical health related to hunting as a not doctor. As a not doctor. As a not doctor. And for those people who have an issue with hunting, they, maybe they need some whiskey. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. We, um, 
This is a very serious podcast, I feel. It's not too serious. Yeah, but typically we're like, I don't know. I feel like we should we should talk about something fun for right. a minute. All right, let's talk about something fun then. Uh, you have an idea? Of course. Let me let me go to my handy dandy emails. Um, cat harness for Jeff. Okay, that's one email. Okay, <laughs> so we just clear. We're just going through our general. Uh, yeah, just notes. Um, notes. DraftKings, by the way, sportsbook. DraftKings sportsbook. Yeah, can't use in South Carolina, which I didn't find out until I put eighty dollars into it last night to bet on Poirier. Oh, you were going to bet on Poirier? Yeah. That would have been a good bet. And uh, yeah, and I was going to bet on second round as well. So I think it was a thousand dollars for second round payout. But yeah, can't do that in South Carolina. You can't use it at all. Nope. They allow, they make you do the allow location, or you can't use it. And when I did allow location, it was like not available. So hmm. you should have told me that before. But so now I have eighty dollars in DraftKings. I can't use. So I, I know someone who uses uh, either DraftKings or one of those apps or websites regularly, um, and they bet, and they've been doing it for a couple of years now, and have figured out like the different types of games you can play and the different types of betting you can do. And he does really well I regularly. Like he won six grand a few weeks ago. Wow. And one day on fo- on football games. That's wild. Yeah. yeah, there has to be algorithms to it and which consistently pay out. Um, also, did, she sent me the Siwi raffle for this year. Did you see it? Yeah. All that Pappies? $100. Um, each raffle Part ticket is 100 bucks. Yeah. But it's all, it's the entire Pappy collection, which. Except for that twenty-five year and the, and the fancy decanter, not that one, but the rest of them. And so when I went to that liquor store in Pauly's Island, mm-hmm. he wanted twenty-five grand for that collection. So it kind of makes sense because the uh, the other giveaways are like a boat and and like you know, yeah, they're gonna make twenty-five grand easy yeah. and raffle <laughs> for sure. But wow. I might buy a, a ticket. Yeah. Um. So the so thing, they're doing seaweed this year because I. No, they're not. No, they're just doing some CV related doing stuff. The raffle, yeah. Okay, that's a bummer. It is a bummer. They canceled. Um, they canceled the other one too. What's the other one called? Food and wine. Yeah, they canceled that. Did they really? Yeah. We should probably. Which is next funny because they did food and wine last year. Yeah, they did. Yep. Right yeah. in the right when COVID started. Yeah, I remember. They were like, just uh, you know, stay. Social distance. Well, at that point, they'd spent the whole year previously getting all that stuff set up. That right. They They're not going to let it go. No. Like, we went to the private tasting one, and they made you wear a mask in line. And then once you got in, you could take the mask off. But that was before mask mandates and stuff. Yeah. And I didn't really understand it. I still don't understand a lot of it, but that's neither here nor there. We should definitely look to make sure that we have a booth and are involved in both of those next year. I agree. And they have them. I agree. Is the... It's probably too late at this point. I didn't think about it after the holidays. The classic. Is that happening? Do you know? Um, Ty said it was. So we did that before the Palmetto Sportsman Classic. Um, Did they did cancel it? Oh, okay. Damn. Everything's canceled. Yep. So back to uh, your hole, Hobbit. Don't come out. Don't see your shadow this year. I'm just waiting for Biden to save us all. Somebody's going to save it's us gonna all. It's going to happen soon. 
Somebody's going to save us all. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but whatever. I hate politics. Um, uh, the next Conor McGregor fight, I want to buy a bottle of... I don't think he's going to fight again. I don't know. I don't think he is either. But if he does, the next one, I want to buy a bottle of Proper 12, and then I want to pay... Um, is it Bruce, the announcer guy? And that's Conor. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fighting! That guy. Yeah. That was really loud. I know. I'm going to have to clip. It's going to clip hard. I'm going to have to. Edit Just that. let it go. And everybody will be like, Jesus. Sorry. And then, <laughs> so I want to pay him to do an introduction for Whiskey and Whitetails and then make a video something. Do you know how much that's going to cost? It's 100 bucks. for I looked it up. It's it? Yeah. You can go to his website and it's for $100. He'll do anything you want. I bet he just sits and does that all day. All day long. Yep, sure does. He just hits record and just says everyone, and somebody yep. else sits there and cuts them out individually. So he has a format. So it's like for bachelor parties or weddings, for instance, you could do a wedding. And this corner of the bride, this corner of the groom. Genius. Um, but yeah, it's 100 bucks. Okay. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to get him to introduce. Approved. Whiskey and Whitetails, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're going to do uh, um, the... His whiskey. I heard you said it, and I just proper twelve. We're gonna proper do the proper 12, yeah. twelve, and then maybe like in this corner, proper twelve, and then in that corner, like something we really like, like red breast twelve or loose style. Yeah, yeah. And then just destroy proper twelve. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's, it's bad? It has to be. It's it's just like any other um, famous person that just goes to a some distillery, hit them up, and was like, "Hey, our whiskey sucks, and we need someone to sell it for us." <laughs> I mean, prove me but wrong, that's not, right? Well, that's most not, of these country artists that have whiskey, it's like blended but junk. What about um, what about Long Branch? Well, is it what's the is it Bob Dylan's? No, that's um, what's Bob Dylan's one? They I just Heaven's Gate. Oh, I don't know. That's supposedly good. I'm is talking about Dylan? the uh, the actor. What's his name? Um, all right, all right, all right. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, and he has Long Branch that he partnered with um, Wild Turkey to do that. Well, that's probably a little different. Yeah, but took, that is Matthew McConaughey. I think I under, if I understand correctly, it took wild turkey and then they barreled it and then aged it in Texas, where the heat and everything is different, obviously. So it is Bob Dylan, but it's Heaven's Door, mm-hmm. not Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate was that that cult. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were close. I, the reason I said that is because for those that don't know, on the Heaven's Door bottle, it has a gate on it. That's actually Bob Dylan's gate at his house. Oh, that's what the. Uh, that's why I said heavens. Do you like Bob Dylan? Uh, I mean, you know, what's your favorite Bob Dylan song? None of them. You don't like any Bob Dylan song? I, not really. There's not a single Bob Dylan song that I could play that you wouldn't like, or you know what I meant. I don't think so. Okay. So, I'm like, just being honest. So, like this song right here. Yeah, throw something up. Hold on, that's not the one I want. I want this one. Taking forever. Here we go. This song right here. You don't like this one? I'll fast forward. I'll fast forward. You don't like that song? I like Eric Clapton's version better. Yeah, I think I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to trick you. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know that I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. I don't really like his whiskey. I don't like his music or his whiskey. He can fuck off. Jeez. That's how I feel. Yeah, that's fine. I'm getting further and further away from this microphone. I'm going to have to do some volume editing on this podcast. Yeah, this one keeps um, drooping. We need a podcast to do. Um, let me check my to-do list if there's any notes. Other than that, I think I'm I'm out. We recorded something today. When? Who else do we have to record, and when are you putting that together? If you want to even talk about that. So, Chad, Emma Daily Bourbon, him and his girl are going to do the tasting, um, kind of the same way that we did it. Okay. And then I have, I think, uh, I think I'm going. So there's a potential. So for those that know the show Top Gear. So in the Top Gear, they, they drive these cars or whatever, and um, they had this guy called the Stig, and the Stig would come in, and that was their baseline. So you have these other people driving the cars, and it's like, it did okay, but you have the Stig, which is a professional driver, would come in and just wreck, you know, just push the car to the limits. So in this tasting that we're doing for this video, basically what it is, I've got four bourbons that are nice bourbons. They're all... Hundred dollar range, except one. One was yeah. twenty bucks. Yeah. Now that I know, yeah, it's good and um, it's fun. They're all decent bourbons, and and so the point of it was kind of to see where they rank against each other, but also throwing in that cheap bourbon with it to kind of see you know uh, where that would rank, and it, it did kind of exactly what I thought was going to happen. But so one of the guys that we that I blind taste tested, I think he's going to be our Stig. It's just going to, I'm going to have him come in and do a lot of stuff for us because he nailed it as far as price, as far as age, as far as blah, 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 like all of them. Um, and it was really interesting to watch. I mean, you did really well as well, but it was just fun to watch him do it because he was like, I can tell that this one is super popular. Like I have it all recorded and I'll, like, I'll probably send you his entire taste. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing his whole thing. Because the video, I'm just going to cut and chop up, but I'll send you his whole tasting. So as he's tasting, he's like, this um, this reminds me of something that I haven't drank in a long time, but he couldn't really put his finger on it, and it turns out it was Evan Williams. And he's like, ah, it makes sense. I used to drink Evan Williams all the time. Yeah. And um, so it's things like that. Like, he might be the stig. But yeah, I'm going to do this video of just kind of just people tasting. So I've got two more that I want. Three more. So I have three more people. So it'll be six total in this video. And I'm just going to kind of chop it up together. But it's our first run at a uh, full-length YouTube video. So a lot of stuff we put uh, on YouTube is okay. a minute and a, you know, minute to three minutes I long. See. Just because they're short, I'm making them for Instagram. But I wasn't sure what your end game was. Yeah, this is a, this will be a full-length YouTube video. So it's, cool. I'm going to talk about each bourbon. And, and I have, I've already filmed the intro, and I filmed the bottle pops, and I filmed all this. And so it'll kind of be all the content we already do, but I'm going to do four bourbons at the same time. And then I'm going to get more in depth and I'll talk about what I can find from Mashbill and what I can find from age and, and all this stuff. And, um, and then I'll cut a couple trailers out of it as well for social media stuff. But yeah, this is our first push into, um, long form content on YouTube was the point of this. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be good. A precursor to, to more things to come. Cause we have, I think we have some good ideas for things uh, in terms of long form. For sure. Video and we're, content. And, and these uh, podcasts will eventually be an easy um, weekly upload. Yeah. For video. For sure. 
Um, because I mean, if there's anything that will attract followers and, um, build an audience, it's looking at our two beautiful faces. That's true. Especially wearing our cheap microphones and drinking Bud Light during a whiskey podcast. We are who we are. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed of it. I drink a lot of Bud Light. Just to, like everybody always asks, so what are you guys sipping on tonight? And I'm like, I'm holding a Bud Light and I'll be like, oh, Heaven's Hill, you know, fucking McKenna Tenure. That's what I, like, what are you sipping on, bro? But no, it's, I mean, I drink a lot of Bud Light. Yeah. But I do drink a lot of whiskey too, clearly. I drink a lot of everything. Risky and Bud Light. That's kind of it. I don't drink anything else. Rum. We should, we should just be honest with people. Like, uh, I had a whatever earlier, but right now, I'm being a responsible adult because I have to get up in the morning. Yeah. And I'm having a Bud Light. Yep. Sorry, I don't drink uh, $100 bourbon every single night. No. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of those bottles that we post, I mean, most of them haven't even been opened yet. I'm working my way through them. But mo- almost every bottle on my shelf only has... I'm only one man, you know. We should do we should do posts and pictures of like mid level stuff too. You know, there's a lot of people that can't afford the stuff that. No, I know. That I we mean, can because we're so rich, <laughs> um, so wealthy. Yeah, billionaires. <laughs> if you don't know, we both have two billion dollars in checking, and you don't even want to know how that's much. That's just savings. my. That's just my. Fuck you, money. Yeah, I yeah. Do whatever I want with that. We got another eighty billion in savings, and then probably four quadrillion in stock market. Now you're being silly. I wouldn't put that much in the stock market. <laughs> Bitcoin. Bitcoin. That's where it's at. Dude, you see where Bitcoin is right now? It's like uh, 30-something thousand? As a indication for economy, it is not. But um, it would be cool to... You know, that's one of those correlations. But yeah, it's at $32,392.70. Wild. You know, what's funny is we bought in at... What was it, nine or ten? Yeah, something like that. But we didn't have a lot of it, and then it skyrocketed to like twenty. We were like, "Holy shit, buy now!" And so I, I think between the two of us, we probably put five grand into Bitcoin, and then it tanked to like eleven thousand. And to start whiskey and whitetails, we've held on to that for like three years, and because we knew one day it'd come back up. Yeah. So to start whiskey and whitetails, we both pulled out our Bitcoin to buy some stuff. And a month later, it tripled. <laughs> it tripled from when we pulled it out. I pulled out at like eleven five, I think. Yeah, I'm going to go drive off a cliff now. It sucks. But such is life. That's what you do. Cryptocurrency was not um, an advisable investment for me. Especially now. Don't buy it now. It's too late. But yeah. I'm good. Yep. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next Monday. Right? Yeah. Mondays is our uh, try to get these things posted late Sunday evening or scheduled to post um, or publish late Sunday Sunday evening so that by the time it runs through all of the uh, um, different repositories, it's posting as new on Monday. Yes. So... See you on Monday. See you on Monday. Enjoy your work week.
join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.